Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, You know, it's interesting. uh, I get to travel over the world, as you know, uh, on Tuesdays. And this week, I am up in Vancouver, but not for the TED conference. Instead, I'm talking to Scott Mallory, who is the founder and licensee of TEDx ECUAD, which is for the Emily Carr University of Art and Design in Vancouver. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I can talk art and design all day long, and uh, I'm curious. How long have you been doing um, TEDx ECUAD? This is only the second year, and we just had our second event on Saturday, a few days ago. Oh, that's right. So, okay. Yep. So, how do you even have any cycles to talk to me? I mean, I would think you'd be in Hawaii <laughs> or sleeping or something. <laughs> Uh, I'm mostly recovered, but, uh, Hey, we're artists. We're used to staying up all night and doing what we love. So, yeah, that's true. How many, how many people at your event? Uh, this time I didn't do a count. Uh, we were shooting for 185, including 25 of our staff. And I think we got pretty close. Um, I'd say probably 150. And when did you last time it was our first event? So it was under a hundred. Right. Of course. I and mean, we went right up to the brim, but we all do. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was it? Um, w- w- tell me what it was like when you had that first idea. I want to do a TEDx at the school, at the university. <laughs> well, um, actually that happened at TED 2016. Um, oh. There I had met uh, a speaker, Michael Singh, who makes toys yep. and he's from Singapore. Um, and he introduced me to Kristen Sadler, who's the advisor for TEDx NTU, Nanyang Tech University in yep. Singapore. And you know, we I was there because I was I was actually an artist, not an official attendee. I had shown a video projection in the venue. Right. And we were kind of just like, you know, looking at my work, talking about it and whatnot. And then I got into a conversation with Kristen about, you know, how the art program goes at their school. And then she you know, TEDx came up and she could see my excitement about TED mm. in general. Mm. You know, talking about my background as a as an ESL teacher, uh, because we use TED Talks as teaching tools and we break down the talks and spark conversation, meaningful conversation that the students have a stake in so that it encourages them to speak more English as a second language. By the way, yep, ESL. yep, no, yep, I got they that need to practice speaking if they care about the material that makes them speak a lot more. So um, so in that conversation, it ended up coming up uh, about TEDx and how at her school, um, the masters and PhD students uh, have, you know, have 
taken it over and, you know, really made the event happen. And at the time I was a master's student at Emily Carr University. And, uh, and, and she happened, she works in the president's office at NTU and she happens to know our president at Emily Carr. And she was oh. like, you know what, you should, you might want to shoot him a message and let him know that, that I said, so, you know what I mean? And so the very next day I did all the research and put together oh like kind gosh. of a little 30 minute presentation for the wow. president and, and uh, shot him an email, got a meeting and, and kind of walked him through how the whole thing works and opened up some yep. of the guy. I mean, you know, there's like 115 pages of guidelines, but, you know, love, I made a kind of concise version of. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we talked about it and he's been going to TED for like 15 years and he has, you know, relationships there and whatnot. And so he was it, that part of it was not hard to sell. Luckily, um, he was like into it, you know, and he was sure. like, yeah, I've been, I've been intending to do this for a while and we couldn't really, you know, we didn't get around to it. But so he was excited that the only next question was, you know, how the heck would I do that <laughs> logistically? And, right. And kind of, you know, I showed him kind of the grand, uh, the grand vision of it and the potential of what I was thinking of how to do this at, in the Emily Carr context. Uh, but, but at the same time, the only thing he could promise me at the moment was, an empty stage and a small atrium <laughs> <laughs> and a hallway, which actually we didn't get to use because it interfered with the academics if a student could pass through there. So, yeah, that's that's how that that's how that happened. And there's that. But we're we are good at overcoming obstacles in front of us. That's what TEDx organizers are all about. Have you been to um, or d different different question? What's the TEDx community like in Vancouver? It's, um, I don't know if the attendees, I don't know how much the attendees know about each other one. You know what I mean? There, there seem to be a couple of big events around here. There's probably, I would say about eight around here. We have TEDx Stanley Park. That's one of the huge ones, like a thousand people plus. There's TEDx SFU. That's another university. TEDx UBC, uh, which is another university, but that used right. to be TEDx Terry Talks, which was like a small kind of, uh, rogue situation feeling you know what i mean it was kind of, it was really independent it started off independent as just terry talks and they turned it into a tedx it has its own kind of raw character to it and i think they finally switched over to tedx ubc because that was happening inside ubc anyway uh there's tedx gastown women um there's a solid handful um we do have in our attendee um application form we do ask if you've been to tedx events before uh, there's there's a sprinkling, there's a sprinkling. So and and it's weird. All of this year, most of them happened in March. Oh, really? So that could also be why there's not a lot of cross knowledge about each other one because you you can you might only go to one TEDx event, right. not like five all in. You know what I mean? So it's I think maybe it's a coincidence that they're all having similar timing. Do you have so, um, I I've, in conversations I've had with other organizers that where there's a dense concentration of TEDx's within the region, or let's say within an hour drive, is there an organizer's community, uh, workshops, get togethers, meetups, anything like that? Uh, over the summer, there was a, a regional workshop, BC lower, lower mainland, and we did get a good handful of organizers there, but it seems to be a fresh thing. I mean, I'm still pretty young in TEDx. It's only my second year. Right. I don't know what's happened before that, but I didn't get the sense that a lot of that had been going on. Um, and people, well, people were appreciative of it. I mean, sure. This is open-minded people and whatnot. It was, it was really great. It was a great experience. Uh, not everyone was there, but, um, I got the sense that it wasn't a regular thing 
for this area. Well, maybe maybe it will be now that w- when you um, we get this episode out, and I I strongly encourage um, the you know the cross pollination of ideas, especially when you guys can get at you know the the organizers can get into one physical location. I mean, I love the meetups and the hangouts and the the virtual stuff, but boy, if you can get in the same spot, it's just and you live in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Come on, it's just spectacular sure. there, right? There's just uh I, I there's a hundred excuses I would think of. Um when you think of uh the TEDx for you, and I'm thinking of art and design, and I'm just, I'm just fascinated in that with that aspect of it. Does that inform what makes your TEDx unique? Do you play to the artists and the creativity? Big time. I mean, we're we're a pretty small. It it, it is an art university, so it's pretty small. It's two thousand people or so, hmm. um, and there's this really concentrated creative energy there. And we from the very start. I wanted to tap into that. And from the very first, you know, one or two leaders, uh, leaders on the team, we were like, you know, let's really tap into this talent and this vision that these students here have. Um, so, yeah, that that has definitely made us unique. And, and we've also created a bit of a mark with it, too. Um, we were oh, how's uh, that? included in Will, uh, we were included in Will Davis's uh, presentation on innovation at the TEDx workshop at Ted Global. 2017 and uh, from what I understand he's been presenting that in uh, Central Asia Eastern Europe and people have uh, have been enjoying what we're doing and uh, and uh, adapting it even further to make it bigger and better like we had a we had a coloring book featuring a lot of illustrators from the school we had live painting happening during the event which was kind of a crowd draw Um, and then and, and that was also featured. Uh, some of those things were also featured in the TEDx official Instagram, like the designs for name badges, coloring books as well. Um, and then this year, I mean, with the, a school like that is full of surprises. And, sure. And I mean, this year we ended up with uh, a handful of animators instead oh. of filmmakers. Oh. Uh, our our promotional video, our trailer last year, it caught some buzz, like in the TEDx hub and stuff like that. But um, this year we have a lot more animators and less filmmakers, and now. Like we've we've had a 2D animation for each speaker based on the concept of the speakers, oh, and, wow. and we've had a motion graphic for our theme reveal rather than a live action. And it's just, it goes to so many different. There's so many things to tap into at a place like Emily Carr. So yeah, we definitely want to play to that. And and will you know his phrasing, whenever I talk to him or hear from him, his phrasing always sticks in my head. And he you know he said you know ways to integrate different levels of art, to you know to create a TEDx experience. So yeah. that, that phrase is always sticking with me different levels. Where do you, um, where do you tap into, uh, for speakers? Are they students? Are they professors? Are they citizens in the area? Yeah. So, so like I said, we're pretty, we're pretty fresh in this, pretty young in this last year. We, we stuck our toe in and, uh, we did it. We did it. We only invited, we did invitation only. For speakers, we have okay. a very, very deep curation process and a very personal one. Um, but we did invite, we opened an application only for students and decided we would accept one student, maybe two. And because we weren't sure how it was going to go. Right. And, um, so last year we had one student, but then this year we thought, well, well, actually, let me say this. Last year it was kind of, um, we were serving Emily Carr as our audience and we wanted to bring outside voices to that. 
so that it wasn't just another Emily Carr event with artist talks right. in a way. Right. Um, but then this year we kind of flipped it around and we said, you know what, let's showcase what's happening inside Emily Carr and try to attract more of the outside audience mm. to Emily Carr, flip mm. it around. And then at the same time, we liked that we really liked the idea of, well, here, we also, this year we added a faculty application to for speakers. Oh. So we had student and faculty. So this year we thought, you know what, it feels really good to give students opportunities. And I remember that TEDx Terry Talks, who I mentioned earlier, they had all students as their speakers. And, um, and I remember talking to their organizer and him being really enthusiastic about that aspect of it. Like, yeah, this is a great opportunity for the students to, you know, get up there and sure. do that. So, um, so this year we had three students. Uh, we actually had less speakers this year, seven and three performances to make more of an experience of it. Um, but yeah, we had three master students and, um, and we had a few Emily Carr faculty and also the president of Emily Carr who, um, who's actually retiring this year. So that was interesting timing. And, um, <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> no, 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 we're, we're good. Tell me, um, you know, one of the things that people don't realize, uh, I think civilians don't realize is that there's a lot of entertainment at a Ted, like, so Ted Vancouver, there's a lot of entertainment, there's dance and there's singing and music and world music and lots of really interesting things, but they don't ever make it into a Ted talk, right? Ted doesn't publish any of that. So if you get to watch the live stream, uh, that's cool. So it's people who have been to that kind of event understand that vibe. And when they produce their own event, they're, wow, who could we get to do something interesting? Right. So tell me about yeah. the performances because I'm, I'm particularly interested in that as well. Yeah. So, uh, first we had Aboriginal dance. Oh. Uh, yeah, we definitely we, we definitely wanted uh, that kind of representation, but we also wanted it to be something dynamic. Um, so she sort of had these hoops that she was, uh, I don't know, she was creating these structures with the hoops and doing a dance at the same time with music. And we had different different kind of lighting setups, uh, which is new because this year we also have a brand new campus, which is built just for and just for you know this art school situation. Oh, and, nice. Uh, the theater is really nice and stuff like that, and we could do these custom lighting setups. I mean, it has its challenges, but uh, that was, that was part of it too. Um, and, and people love that. Um, we also had a, we had acrobatic yoga, which was, Ooh. which happened to be a perfect fit because our theme was equilibrium. And, uh, and so they created like a custom performance just for that. And they, they weren't doing a talk. They, they, I didn't know this till later, but they had, they were wanting to say words during their, uh, performance. Uh, which was related to equilibrium and they kind of like announced their definition of it and stuff like that. Uh, well, our curator kind of came up with a fresh definition of equilibrium and, and work with them on, on how they would put that together. Um, so that was pretty, that was cool. It was, it was a little bit nerve wracking cause it's a safety thing too, but it was really, it was really edgy, you know, it's, they're kind of holding each other up in the air and, oh, wow. and, and, and tumbling and whatnot. And it was pretty cool. Um, so that was that was good. Now I'm glad that uh, that TEDx Toronto stole our theme. <laughs> it was gonna be it was gonna be legacy, which made sense for our whole campus situation, everything that was going on. And uh, around October, we saw I saw on Twitter. I was like, legacy. Oh my gosh! Now we have to have a whole new meeting with 20 people and change the theme. You know, but uh, it worked out pretty well, especially in terms of that that performance. Um, let's see. And that that was actually three people doing that performance. Finally, we had a, uh, 
a singer guitarist who was huh. like she has a, she has an amazing voice. I mean, it's you know, there's the initial thought of okay, it's pretty basic a person playing guitar and singing and kind of like meh, but she she has a very dynamic and a unique voice. Um, and it was, I mean, I would say scintillating. Huh? Uh, was, was, That's <laughs> a good a word. Singer, I like that I word. Was, it had this, it just, it was just like, it was, it was glistening. It was shining with, you know, wow. I had this kind of really visceral reaction to her performance. And then, uh, what we thought of, uh, at the end, because our DJ did not, our DJ from last year was not able to return. He didn't respond to our email. And then I bumped into him and he's like, ah, I got too many classes going on. So I was like, dang, what can we do? I don't want to like, you know, set up an iPod or something like that. Um, so we asked her, we were like, hey, can you actually bring your amp upstairs for dinner? Oh. And kind of play while, <laughs> while we're having dinner up there. That would be cool. We had a, like a catered hot dinner and stuff like that. So that worked out perfectly, too. I'm pretty sure people after that performance wanted to hear more from her. And, and so they were able to get that. So too. her Spotify account blew up after that, <laughs> right? Hopefully. Pretty sure. What, what, uh, so, so the first year everything's new and then the second year, you know, you're just done and I, I don't get to talk to people like right after they're done while it's still fresh in their brain. What was the biggest surprise for you? What did you not plan on happening? I mean, let's make it a good surprise. Hmm. Um, Okay. I guess, you know what, I might repeat myself a little bit. Um, but in the meantime, we'll be trying to think of another one. It was stuff, stuff that happens like the animators. I mean, we have around 60, 70, 80 people on our team because we kind of open the door to, to, um, the Emily Carr students. We don't want to start off kind of like we're, you know, we're fresh in this. We don't want to start off by closing doors and having interviews. Plus that's a different kind of administrative process. Sure. Uh, and if we want to, if we want to find all the talent there, uh, we should open the door. So, you know, like I said, last year we had we had probably about 10 filmmakers on the team, and that was what was happening in terms of our promo videos. This time it's um, the the character of the video, what we were calling the video production team, totally changed. And we had a oh. whole bunch of animators, and we had to figure out how to what to do with that and how to work with them. Do we put them in smaller teams? Because there must have been five, six, seven of them. We put them in smaller teams or do we like let them brainstorm of what they want to do? Do we give them something? You know, so it took a few weeks to to figure out what that dynamic was. And it was challenging. It was a challenging surprise, but it was a it was a great, great surprise. The results were tremendous. I mean, I couldn't have. See, that's that's the thing is um, is uh, nothing that happens. Like the thing I love most about this is that. It's full of surprises. I might say every surprise is the best good surprise. It's, it's sure. like um, uh, nothing that happens, almost nothing that happens is just one person's idea. Mm. It's mm. always, you know, when you hear everything else and, and see what everyone else brings to the table and we talk about it and we agree or we disagree. And of course, as it says in the guidelines, you know, the disagreement is how you get the best ideas. If you have too many people that agree too often, it's too easy and you don't get the best ideas that way. So what happens is we come together, we go through that process and and we throw these ideas around and what pops out is something that nobody ever expected. Wow. Yeah. And, you love and, that, right? And and something that that is beyond all of us <laughs> is, mm -hmm. is beyond what any individual ever thought of and it belongs to to all of us and and that thing is always something new and surprising 
and in this case, it was, you know, we were surprised by this dynamic of this new dynamic of the animation team and the stuff that they came up with. And even like a couple of days before the event, all of a sudden, a couple of them just stayed up all night and did this theme based animation that we could play at our event. And it was like this, this flowing, morphing objects and stuff. It was uh, like, I can't even, well, you have to see it. I can't describe it. I mean, if you could just describe it, there's no point in making a video. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well said. Um, it, it, so there's a there's a video on your page the the equilibrium with the two unequal equal signs, which I thought was clever in and of itself. Very simple, right. very very. Not, I mean, it was just about things being equal, and it was really well done. I'm going to link to that uh, in the show. I'm going to embed that in the page because I'm. I'm sure you're very proud of it. And I'm, you know, with my background in animation and motion graphics, I'm just, I'm like a moth to flame on, you know, yeah. good motion graphics, especially, I think what's, what's especially challenging for me uh, every year, because I also produce an event, right? TEDx Santa Barbara. So it's not theoretical mm -hmm. for me. This is all, I'm dealing with the same challenge. And it's how do you take a highly abstract and nuanced idea and put pictures around that and in our case also put set design around that and so there's a there's a 2d manifestation of that and there's a three-dimensional real world manifestation of that then there's a three-dimensional animation of that and how that gets interpreted and it's usually well one year our, our theme was the unthinkable and I just like, what the heck does unthinkable look like? And my right. wife, who's our, our speaker coach and co-curator and organizer, she said, it's a spiral staircase. Of course, I can just see it so clearly. I was like, oh, yeah, it is. It's a spiral staircase. So like all these designers, you know, we couldn't figure anything out. And then she says, oh, it's just that. And then once you get that little right, right. bink, then it just pops up and then everything flows, which... Um, listener, you uh, can't see his face, but he is smiling and nodding his head up and down. Um, <laughs> you know, we were talking about the theme real quickly. I would love it. I'm going to put a challenge out to my listeners. There is no database uh, that I'm aware of that is a comprehensive collection of themes that have been done. Uh, by TEDx's with 3,800 last year. Um, I think we're, we're well over 10,000 events as we go into our 10th year. Uh, I'm going to be pretty surprised. Um, we'll see what numbers get announced at TED Fest, but there have been a lot and, and the majority of them have themes. And, and I too, um, suffer from the, I find an idea and we go, that sounds great. And then I Google it and it's, oh yeah, nine other TEDx's came up with that thing so can can we be more creative right yeah someone someone did post their list of themes recently tedx uh i don't know something with a k in it but i downloaded it and put it in our files oh I you did I oh could. good good maybe you'll send me a Probably. link to that and i'll, I'll put it yeah, in sure, my sure. notes because that's uh it's it's just one of those things like we we um we care about the theme and we care about the narrative arc we care about um not necessarily that the speakers are speaking to that theme, but there, there's a, um, if you've ever do improv, you know, you get a gift from the, a word from the audience and you don't necessarily do a literal translation of, oh, popcorn. Oh, let me tell you about the time I was at the movies and had popcorn, but I might talk <laughs> about some other thing where things, you know, popped and exploded and whatever. So, 
but I digress. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, in our case, like that, that performance, the acrobatic yoga, that was that did hit the theme pretty directly. But you know, that's, there's a whole spectrum of where right? you can imply the theme, or you know, leave the audience to have that intellectual challenge. Of, yeah. Uh, making their own connection to it. Isn't that why it's what topics. makes it art, right? <laughs> That's exactly what True. makes it art, right? Tell tell me, um, uh, tell me, what big challenge did you have that still has you scratching your head? Um, <laughs> I would say, um, hmm. You know what? It's really hard to resist. You know, I was talking about how these new ideas always come up. Yeah, and it's very very hard to resist and i was having this conversation with uh one of our with our speaker coach and and you know she was talking about the workload and i was like you know what i don't think any tedx organizer can i don't think there's a tedx organizer who does not go 110 percent and totally stretch out yep on this to the max you know at the, even if they wanted to hold back they probably couldn't but you know whenever a new idea comes up it's really 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 hard to resist and you know, there's the part you want to stay healthy too. You know what I mean? If you get yeah, too sure. fatigued, if you have a good idea. If you're fatigued, you know, you might not do your best at that idea. Maybe save it for next event. You know, that's a, that, that's a challenge. Like, you know what, let's do that next time. Um, you feel like, you feel like you have to do everything, you know, and really, you know, even if it's something as simple as, Oh, you know what, let's do this series of animations. It's like, okay, okay, okay. So now we need a file structure and right. now we need to know how these are going to get delivered to right. the communications team and how they know what to post in what order and, and who's going to tell who, what to post, you know, you, you created a new set of logistics sure. for yourself sure, and, and, and maybe even, you know, more subjective conversations about the nature of the content, yep. you know, from you're starting out by saying, let's do a bunch of animations. It's like, well, you know what, if from a lead organizer's standpoint, a licensee standpoint, the licensee is responsible for everything that happens in meeting the yep. guidelines. It's a representation of the yes, lead organizer and of everyone else too. Yep. You know what I mean? So, you know, you could say, Oh, you know what? I can leave that to that team, but you know what? It has to cross your desk to, yeah. you just have to put that checkbox next to it no matter what. Yeah. You know, do you, um, as a uh, curious, as a professor, do you ever turn any of these experiences into learning moments? Or teaching moments? Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> um, well, actually, I'm going to throw this out there, which is that we did happen to um, get the, the authorization to make this a co-op opportunity. So some people on our team, I think we've had 11, um, they get university credit for doing TEDx. <sighs> Right. Uh, and that was go. a conversation with that department and, and, and the president's office and, and stuff like that. And then, and a few of them even got tuition waivers this year, not last no year. Kidding. So that's, and, and I think I did hear on the hub, someone in India had, or somewhere, uh, had actually made their TEDx event into a, a course, which is something that I would consider that, you know, it's something that, that orbits in my mind, you know, mm. and as, as a teacher, as an ESL teacher, I do bring my teaching experience and background to this a lot i mean of i course. think a lot through that lens um uh in terms of facilitation and 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 the nature of feedback everything everything um uh 
Um, how they work on because, a team, how they work with a creative client, how they work with abstract ideas, how they, how all of those things, because you, you have a, a real world instance where you need to produce something collaboratively. Exactly. And I think that this is like in, in the context of TEDx and education, I think it's the complete <laughs> kind of package educationally because, yeah. because you have portfolio material, you have, you're doing something that's pretty high stakes. Uh, you're you're having an opportunity to showcase your work um, on a global and meaningful uh, platform. Uh, you're going through a learning process. You're learning about teamwork, collaboration. You're learning about you know sometimes people go through university and they think they have to know what they want to do before they go through the process. But also <laughs> part of university is you're learning what you don't want to do and yeah, what yeah. is right for you. It's yeah. not just about having that thing known and doing it. So, you know, there's, there's that also. Um, Ironic, isn't it? Yeah. There, you know, there's, sure. there was, some, there are some schools of thought that, you know, have that thing figured out by the time you're 12 or 15 and then you're on a path. And then there's the other ones. It's more like a, you're a pinball and it might depend on who your roommate was. And you went and sat in on a class. They went, you went, Oh my gosh, that's what I should hey. have been doing. Hey, that's, that's what happened to me. My I was really? going into like business and stuff like that, you know, and then my roommate was an art major and he was doing the coolest stuff I had ever seen <laughs> at the time. And I was like looking at that every day, like, wow, that's cool. And then I got to go to my class and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do the art thing. Cause that's cool. You know? And my grandfather, you know, at the time he was like, you know what, that thing that you do, for 12 hours a day without anyone asking you to do it. Yeah. That's the thing you need to be doing. And I'm going to support that. So I hope I turn out to be that good of a grandfather, um, <laughs> right. Where we're implying and importing wisdom over the young ones. Tell me what, um, of all the things there are for you to take it, you know, to put your fingerprints on, so to speak, as you said, they cross your desk, marketing, collaborating, partnering, sponsors, building the team, all of those things. Where do you think you've got a superpower? What's the thing that lights you up? <laughs> uh, the thing that lights me up might be different from my actual superpower. I don't know. There might be some overlap. I think I kind of it kind of grew on me, and I do kind of love it. I would say the organization and logistics part might be my the strength of mine that shines most in this situation i mean of course there's curation and you know the the licensee does all the research and sure all the meetings and the videos and the reading and and, and everything else and talking to other organizers but the um and of course that's a strength but the logistical side like what i mentioned about you know we might get these great ideas and they might be amazing and passionate but wait a minute how do we deal with this in an organized fashion and you know and that comes from probably my my background in visual effects for for a film because you know that's managing thousands of files and yeah, transferring no right. those things between different types of teams and you know i had been you know a project lead in that situation and you know and trafficking files between different companies and whatnot um 3d assets 2d assets blah blah um i'll i'll keep the jargon out of this but um yeah i think i'm, I'm so i'm hyper kind of like i'm, I'm hyper detailed when it comes to that and, well, you have and to the be. way that I work. Yeah, we have, we have a large team, you know, like I said, 60 to 80 people any given time, plus additional uh, contributing artists, which is like 10 to 20. So um, I create, what I do, my approach is that 
for my team leads, we have six departments, which is, you know, it, it looks a lot like the TEDx guideline executive roles. I basically created teams around those. Okay. So that's design, communications, finance, curation, video production, and maybe I forgot one of them. <laughs> I always forget one. But what I, my approach was, you know what? I want my designer to focus on designing. Mm. I want my curator mm. to focus on curating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it would be such a waste to see uh, this designer become an administrator. You know, so before anyone came on, I created, you know, the, the Google, I, I, I looked through the, um, through the different team softwares, Basecamp and all that. And then I had a couple of leads look at it too. And, you know, I decided, well, what's the best combination of things here? This software with Google Drive, the G Suite, how are we going to create our folder structure? Um, and I tried maybe four or five different ways myself. I mean, you want to try to anticipate problems, but the only real way to do it is to actually try it and yep. then see where yep. it doesn't work. So it's easy to think about it, but, and that's, that's a teaching technique. Actually, when you make a lesson plan, try it out so you can anticipate more of the problems. You'll, you'll find the bumps in the road. But so my approach was, you know what, let me do the logistical part. So I told, you know, last year I told each lead, I said, you know what, do what you do. But as soon as your job becomes logistical, and you don't want to do that part, let me know. Because like my curator, my lead curator last year, you know, I didn't want her trying to figure out how to deal with 40 emails. Mm, because mm. if because one correspondence with 20 speakers is 40 emails. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, and where do you put those? And who's going to check them? And, you know, who are you going to tell? You know, so and how do you keep track of these people? And, you know, I always say when, when people join the team and I talk to them about the experience, I always say, I never thought I would have so much fun making a spreadsheet and I would not do it for anything but TEDx. You know, It was funny when I was at Wayfront, my, my joke was that as the ambassador for the company, I had diplomatic immunity against spreadsheets and I never had to use <laughs> them. As it turned out, I was one of the few guys who could use them because keeping, I appreciate the keeping track of stuff. Uh, is an important thing, especially around digital work. And we used to call guys like you data wranglers and, uh, you know, the ones who, who keep all of that stuff, uh, in place so we can find them and, and we appreciate that hard work. What, what advice would you give to other university organizers? Maybe someone who's listening for the first time and they're, they're thinking about doing a show or they've just done one and they're, you know, just trying to figure out where to go. What advice would you give that person? Uh, for a university event, I would say be bold. Uh, start with the president's office. You know, in our case, I had to knock on a lot of doors and and build a lot of relationships. The, the university actually doesn't owe us anything. <laughs> sure. And uh, right. you know, you end up, uh, you know, if you're passionate and they feel that, you know, they'll 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 work with you. They'll help you out. But you know, it takes a logistical collaboration of you know administrators. Uh, between the school to, you know, get the biggest bang for your buck. So, you know, be bold and walk into the office, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Be bold. That, walk there in you there go. and be like, Hey, what's going on in here? You know, um, do that. And, um, and also I would say as you go through that process, uh, as I said, nothing is, you know, the university does not owe you anything. Um, so you never know how something's going to turn out, what you might get, what you might not get. I mean, like I said, I had this vision of using like almost the entire camp, you know, an entire building for our first event. And we only got kind of like a fraction of a small fraction of that, but, you know, be ready to delete something. Be ready to just scrap something if it's not working. Be, uh, be don't flexible. have everything. 
Yeah, don't. I would say don't have your event hinging on something that could be troublesome. So, uh, you know, last year we wanted to have, or you know, I, I was thinking of having a demonstration in the motion capture studio. Huh. But you know what? It didn't quite work out in us getting all that space and the logistics. So you know what? Well, this experience doesn't hinge on a motion capture. Just, just cut it out at this point. You know, why create more trouble for ourselves? Um, if you know you're you're planning a dinner. Um, and you're having trouble with the, you know, getting the right catering and stuff like that. You get into a logistical mess, be like, you know what? We don't need it. Right. Or right. In, right. in other cases, you might not be doing stuff that's that logistical, but like, let's say promotional videos. And, you know, when you're in production like that, things happen and things don't always go as planned. It's like, well, you know what? We don't need a promotional video. <laughs> and if you know that right. from the beginning, right. Right. you're going right. to be okay throughout the whole thing so be ready to cut stuff and that actually comes from a visual effects uh story which is you know some there was a 3d animated character which was wearing a bracelet and the bracelet is supposed to automatically move properly in you mm -hmm, know in physics mm -hmm, gravity mm -hmm. and stuff like that mm -hmm. but it was just glitching and nobody could figure out why and they were working at this putting man hours into this for a couple of weeks then finally they asked the director well hey what's the purpose of this bracelet anyway he said oh i just thought it was cool they're like is it important to the character <laughs> he's like no it was just like a cool little thing they're like oh goodness man can just delete it it's gone <laughs> get rid of it you know? 86 the yeah. bracelet um as one of the things I, I like to do is take and, and put us on a mythical uh, red carpet and transport you to any TEDx in the world. Uh, it sounds like you've spent a lot of time on the hub and in the Facebook group, and you're you know familiar with a lot of uh, events around the world. Where is that red carpet taking you? Um, <laughs> there's a few, but I think that if I had to choose one, I would say TEDx Sydney. That, you know, I talked about the scope of events and cutting stuff out and not being able to resist all these ideas, uh, uh, you know, new ideas and the logistics that pop up after that. Um, but that, I mean, I've seen their simulcast or, you know, crazy, right? Some of it. Yeah. A lot of, it's like, wow, they have everything going on in there that <laughs> I ever thought of. And somehow they're pulling it off like, and with a huge crowd and, yeah. you know, the thing is like there's these different event formats with their different aims. Like, you know, ours is kind of a more intimate kind of situation, whereas something bigger like TEDx Stanley Park, it's more like bring your family and, you know, sell the place out and, you know, get the just make people aware of TED and TEDx in general, which is a great thing. Uh, in our case, we're focused more on like, you know very personal connections and stuff like that it's, it's there's no right or wrong but you know when you go into the bigger events it's harder to keep those kind of like really customized personal parts right of the right it's but it seems like they're still preserving a lot of that like when they, you get bigger pretty and crazy yeah when you when you get bigger and bigger it's easy to to default to avoid like or you know for logistical purposes like um like you might have a huge event and then create partnerships with uh, with um, restaurants throughout the city. And we say, you know what? For for lunch, everyone can just go to one of these restaurants, get a half-price meal, they go wherever they want, and it, the catering's off our hands, and then they can come back for the rest of the event. That's kind of, that's like a default. Or if you're in a stadium that already has food vendors in there, they're like, oh, they can just buy food from there. Done. You know, and then that's when you stop thinking about the curatorial aspect of the experience. But it seems like TEDx Sydney has expanded in this way where, like just from what I could see, 
you know, where they have a host out there in the social area that's right, engaging right, people and stuff right. like that. It's like they're keeping it tight and they're keeping it like I'm seeing objects in the background. Like, what the heck is that? I've never. And they still have this. The thing I like about TED and TEDx is like the stuff you experience there. You can only experience there that one day if you had a ticket. Right. Right. You know? No, exactly. That, that makes it special. And it seems like they're there. Have, they have this huge scope and still preserving that aspect of it, which is really challenging. I would love to go in there and just walk around looking at stuff, you know. Well, maybe maybe else. that'll happen someday. I'm uh, I'm going to be posting an episode with Vanella Kernbone, who is the uh, curator of Sydney. So I had a chance to talk to her, and and Remo is a longtime uh, Tedster, okay. and there's a pretty good uh, Sydney contingent that comes to Fest. So that's going to be pretty great to see those people. My my last question has to do with uh, the best hack which is that thing you do that doesn't cost anything, but it mm-hmm. has some material impact on the event. What would you say your hack is? Um, hmm. I would say uh, hmm. listen first and uh, talk last. <laughs> well, there's a life uh, lesson know, there. You fo- <laughs> if you when you're focusing like content is king, right? You focus on the content more than anything, and yep. and yep. the ideas. Um, otherwise, it becomes you know you start to focus on logistics and then you lose the point. But um, you know if you you know as the especially as a licensee and elite organizer who's done all the research and probably been to uh, flagship or special TED events, right. official right. TED events, yeah. you go into it with all this knowledge and you might be the first one to speak about the potential of the vision of your event and what might happen. And then you might, of course, you might you might not be rigid, but you might expect you put this out there and people kind of click to it or just kind of modify it or take it to the, its next steps. But if you listen first... Other other people's ideas will make your own your initial idea even better than you expected, and then by the time you speak, <laughs> by the time you finally share something at the end, you have a lot more to to build on. Uh, by the time you do share, like I, you know, I'm I'm always hesitant to stifle anyone else's creativity mm, mm. in the room, and and you know what else? Um, I'm tired of my own ideas. I'm tired of hearing my own voice <laughs> in my own mind. Right. You know, right? it's exciting. These people. You know, surprise me and just come up with some, like come up with something totally wild that I never even thought of. I'm more interested in that than you know my my vision. You know what I mean? That that oh, I totally. had. I'm like, well, you know what? Something is. There's probably a better way to do this. So, um, yeah. You're, Listen you're, first. <laughs> you're you're talking about. Um, I mean, the the thing I spend ten nights a month doing is improv. Um, it's my my hobby is doing long form and short form improv, and I oh, treat. Cool. TEDx like a, just a big improv and what you just said, you know, listen first, look around, then talk. Um, it just makes all the difference in the world. Scott, thank you so much for spending some time with us, especially just a few days after your event. Congratulations. I know you've got, uh, there's, you know, the team's going to be editing, getting the videos up and all of that. We'll put a link, uh, to those, uh, in the show notes so people can look. I'm very curious to see those animations myself and thank you very much for joining us on hacking the red circle yes sir and by the way that's tedx casey that posted those themes yeah oh right that was mike that was mike yeah uh you're right i i do remember seeing that you know they did um 
I believe he said it was 40 or 50, and I might be wrong, it might be 70 activations in the after party where they had different things that would happen with various partners and vendors and artists and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, wow. yeah, amazing. And he sells out in like literally in minutes, like in minutes. Go <laughs> listen to that show. It's a good one. Scott, thank you so much, buddy. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot. See you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.